Have I been talking about Rogers that much? Is this something that I've been doing? To- was always the ice cream truck coming to town. I run inside, Mom. Can I get some money? I want to get ice cream. Ice cream. The good humor. What the heck's going on in Champaign, Illinois with Brett Bielema? They, they have a real shot to get to. Frazier's got it! And the Big Ten Championship is in Champaign! They rush the floor! And now, broadcasting live and local, from the 98.9 The Game Studios in Effingham, Illinois, it's the starting lineup with Travis Sparks, the great Bambino, and Eric Fry. It's the starting lineup on 98.9 The Game. Welcome in to the starting lineup. My name is Eric Fry, hanging out here with you on this Monday, November 6th. Yes, I know. I got to get the music changed out. I know. I failed again. That's okay. Not the first, won't be the last time I fail you. But we're here to recap just an incredible weekend of sports. Uh, If you weren't finding something on sports to watch this weekend then you weren't looking in the right places. That's all I'm going to say, because there was plenty of stuff to find this weekend in sports, and we're going to recap as much of it as we can. Got all kinds of great stuff for you on the way, including our kickoff um, to uh, the the weekend, of course. Uh, but also, we got NFL, NBA, top three coming up. Uh, I'm here by myself, in case you haven't noticed. Um, we'll also, in the pod, look at this day in sports history. We'll recap our gigantic football and NASCAR pick them. Got some NHL. Got NASCAR to talk about. The NASCAR weekend is done, and it was an absolute... Well, it started out as an absolute train wreck, an absolute embarrassment to the sport. But we'll talk more about that in the podcast, maybe a little bit before the end of the show. But uh, that's all on the way. Hey, want to thank our sponsors for making this episode and every episode of the starting lineup possible. McMahon meets Tingley Insurance Agency, Topless State Bank, and Worth Computer Repair. Without those sponsors, this would not be possible. And we love coming to you every Monday through Friday from 11 to noon and online at fgamradio.com where you can download the pod or subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you get podcasts. Make sure you go and subscribe. Hey, leave us a like and review as well. Hey, help shoot us up the charts, which is a good thing. So uh, make sure you you say what you enjoy about the starting lineup over there at, uh, like I said, on Apple, Spotify, wherever it is you get podcasts. All righty. I've blabbered on long enough, and I think it's time we kick things off with a little bit of First Things First. Before we get into the show...
things first. And we're starting out first things first with a little bit of local. We're going to recap all of the local playoff action as well as volleyball action from Friday for Super Sectional. So we'll start on Friday. Class 1A Milford Super Sectional. It's the one seed Cisna Park getting the win over the two seed Windsor Stustras. Took three sets. Windsor fought hard as Cisna Park won the first set 25-16. Windsor came back won it 19-25 and then that final third set went extra but it was Cisna Park pulled it off 28 to 26. So Windsor Sustros magical season comes to an end, but nothing to hang their head about uh, for the Hatchets there as they finished 34 and six on the season. But this is one of those ones that's tough to swallow because you came so close and again took three sets, took extra points in that third set. But unfortunately, it will be Cisna Park who will be advancing at this point and time. So a tough one there for Windsor Stustros. But the other school in our area who is in Class 1A, and that would be the St. Anthony Bulldogs. And the three seed able to get the upset at the Oakville Super Sectional. They defeated the one seed North City and it only took two sets, 25-22. And, you know, that first set kind of close, like we said, only three-point difference. And then St. Anthony just put it on them in that second set, 25-11. So the Bulldogs get the win. They move on. They will advance to state where they will take on Galena, who defeated Elgin Harvest Christian Academy 25-20, 25-12. So it will be St. Anthony guaranteed to play two games next Friday up in normal. They play 10-30 on Friday, the 10th. That's this Friday, the 10th, up at Redbird Arena up in normal. They'll be the second game, and then they'll play Saturday either at 9 or 10-30 based off of Friday's game. So we wish St. Anthony the best luck. What a great season they've already had, and it continues. In the Class 2A Robinson Super Sectional, it was the two-seed Carmine White County who got the win over the three-seed St. Thomas Moore. You talk about a competitive volleyball matchup. That's what this was. It was St. Thomas Moore getting the first set. They won it 23-25. Then Carmine White County came back and won set two, 25-22. And then Carmine White County won the third and deciding set 25-18. So Carmine White County advances to 2A. And they will be advancing. And then on the other one there in... 2A at the Carlinville Super Sectional. It was Breeze Modern Day who got the win. They defeated two seed Pleasant Plains, took two sets again, 25 12 and 25 14. So Breeze Modern Day with a decisive victory there. So Breeze Modern Day, they will advance on Friday up at normal and Redbird Arena to take on the two seed Rock Falls who beat Paleos Heights Chicago Christian 25 9, 25 21. And Carmen White County will face Elmhurst Icy Catholic who defeated Chicago Latin 25 8 and 25-10. Class 3A at the Taylorville Super Sectional. It was a two-seed Lincoln getting the win over the one-seed Mascuda. Two sets, 25-11 and 25-18. So Lincoln will advance as well, and Lincoln will take on Chicago St. Ignatius College Prep, who defeated Burbank St. Lawrence 27-25 and 25-20. That game will be at 4 o'clock again this Friday. So a lot of area teams... Uh, being represented, um, you know, Lincoln obviously used to be part of the Apollo, and of course St. Anthony right here in Effingham. So we wish the Lady Bulldogs best of luck up there at 
normal coming up this Friday. Hopefully they can bring home some hardware as well. Speaking of hardware, there was some action on Saturday that handed out some hardware, and that was High School Cross Country, as it was state at High School Cross Country in Class 1A State up in Peoria. On the girls' side of things, congratulations, Isabella Keller, the freshman from St. Anthony, got first place. She is number one in the state at running cross country in Class 1A. Good weekend to be a Bulldog, right? As uh, Isabella Keller finishes first with a time of 16-26-13. So congratulations to her. Other top finishers on the girls' side, Marshall's Molly Farrell finished fourth. And it was Tessa Bowers from Shelbyville finishing in fifth place. Tuscola's Kate Fultz finished in third. So a lot of area representation there in the top five up there in Class 1A on the girls' side of things. On the boys' side of things, the top finisher from our area was Jackson Barrett, the senior from Tuscola. He finished third. Will Fultz, his teammate, finished sixth. Josiah Horton, the senior, finished tenth as well there for Tuscola. So Tuscola having a good day up there in boys' cross country, and I believe... Yes, they won state as a team. So congratulations to them on winning state as a team. They ended up with 97 points. Second was Benton, who had 104 points. So Tuscola boys getting the win in Class 1A as a team. So congratulations to them as well. On the 2A side of things, it was Becca Hedzig from Lincoln who got the win. She finished first in the state at Class 2A on the girls' side of things. So congratulations to her up there in, again in Peoria. Mount Zion as a team finished fifth up there in Peoria at the Class 2A level. On the boys' side, Class 2A, top finisher was... Julian Baker finished 10th from Mount Zion. That would be your top finisher on the boys' side of things up in Mount Zion. None of our area teams finished in the top 10 as a team. But congratulations to all the runners. And Julian Baker finishing 10th, like we said, there from Mount Zion. And then, of course, you know, if we're going to dive into things, let's talk some football. As it was round two of the IHSA football playoffs and we will start at the 1a level well actually let's first start in eight-man football yes eight-man does have a football it's not sanctioned by ihsa their playoffs isn't but still we want to highlight when we get a chance and that's martinsville defeating pawnee 42 to nothing so a great win there for the blue streaks what an incredible story as um they were kind of written off and, and for so many years were there with Cumberland in the same conference and just could never quite get the traction they needed and just always felt like they were outmanned every game. And, and now they have moved over to the eight-man side of things and they have really, really done a great job there on the eight-man side for football there at Martinsville. So congratulations to the Blue Streaks on getting the win. I was trying to look and see if I could see who they'd be facing next, but I don't see any of that uh, information in front of me. So I'll have to do some more research on that. Maybe we'll have that for you either in the pod or on tomorrow's show. And on the... Okay, sorry. My computer decided it was going to 
freeze up on me there for half a second. So let's go to the 1A side of things in our area. One team still left standing on the 1A side. That was Casey Westfield. They traveled over to Greenfield to take on Greenfield Northwestern Co-op. And Greenfield got the two-point win there, 16-14. to So Casey's season comes to an end there at the same place, ironically, that the Cumberland Pirates season came to an end as Greenfield got the win in that one. But still a great season for Casey and the Warriors football team there did a did a great job all year long. Unfortunately, just wasn't quite enough there on Saturday to knock off the undefeated Greenfield Northwestern. They kept it close. They did what they needed to do, but it looked like uh, the passing game was just a little too much for that Casey uh, defense, which has been great all year. But Dylan Pembroke, the senior for Greenfield Northwestern, had 255 yards and a touchdown. And that was really kind of the, the difference maker there was the the um the the passing game and and really that was that was the difference again it was only a three-point game so you knew it had to be close and i think i was looking uh let me see here let me pull up uh this website so i was looking and trying to find you know exactly how that game ended up and here we go and yeah greenfield ended up uh scoring there late in the fourth quarter Casey had it you know had the lead in the fourth quarter 14 to 8 at the start of the fourth quarter and then Greenfield scored 14 14 and then Greenfield went for two got the two-point conversion and that's how they got ahead and stayed ahead so uh, it was Greenville uh, just just barely getting the win there against uh, Casey Casey you know, was up 13 nothing at one point in, in the second quarter with about 10 minutes to go, had a 51-yard touchdown run, and made it 14 to nothing. They they were in the driver's seat, um, and unfortunately Greenfield recovered a fumble by Casey in the second quarter, um, but then Casey came back and intercepted a football. They These two teams battled back and forth. Um, Greenfield didn't get um, – let me see here. Greenfield, I don't think – Yes, they did score uh, with under a minute left in the half, and that made it 14 to eight um, entering the the halftime. And then, like we said, Casey got on the board, had an interception um, with about four minutes to go. It was 14 to eight. Um, and then with about two minutes to go, Casey couldn't do anything with it. Two minutes to go, Casey. Uh, turned the ball over or, or gave up the ball, and Greenfield was able to go down. They had the ball in the, the 45-yard line there, and uh, yeah, they, they were just able to, to take it down and, and score with under a minute left to go in that fourth quarter on a one-yard touchdown run that tied up at 14, and then uh, Pembroke rushed for the two-point conversion with 1.4 seconds left, and, and Casey really had no answer um, at that point after the kickoff. So, uh, uh, unfortunately, Casey's season comes to an end, but a hard hard-fought game there for the Warriors as Greenfield will move on to the semi uh, quarterfinals once again where they will take on Cesar Valier, who took care of Calatin Salt Fork. On the 2A side of things, it was a matchup between two local area teams as Shelbyville took on Vandalia, and it was Shelbyville getting the Rams' uh, victory. So Shelbyville gets the win. They advance here, and uh, Vandalia's season comes to an end with a final score of 36-13. to 13. It looks like Shelbyville was in control for most of that game as Vandalia just looks like couldn't get anything going on offense and um, 
yeah, it was just uh, it was just Shelbyville in control. So the Vandals' uh, season comes to an end. Uh, a decent run for the Vandals, but unfortunately, it ends at the hands of Shelbyville. So Shelbyville will move on once more. They will be in the semifinals. So congratulations to Shelbyville. Coach Duckett of the Rams keeps their 10-1 and season alive as Vandalia will finish 7-4 and on the year. And Shelbyville now will take on the 11th seed Breeze Modern Day who pulled off the upset of Johnson City uh, 27-18. So it'll be the 2 seed Shelbyville and the 11th seed Breeze Modern Day. And that game will be Saturday in Shelbyville at 3 o'clock. So look forward to that game. All right, moving on now to the 3A side of things as it was, and again, another local matchup. Mount Carmel got the win over Sullivan, 42-21. to So Mount Carmel, the four seed, will advance. And the Aces go back to the quarterfinals, and we'll see if they can do something this year. You know, they had a good team last year and just ended up falling short there. But uh, this year it looks like another good game as they had no problems with Sullivan Okaw Valley there on Saturday, beating them 42-21. to As Christensen for Sullivan had 301 yards throwing the football, but two interceptions kind of do a minute. It looked like the, the running game just didn't work out for Sullivan there on Saturday. So it was Sullivan coming up short their first season uh, as a – you know, as a, a, a Lincoln Prairie opponent comes to an end, and Mount Carmel uh, got the scoring first with 10 minutes to go in the first quarter, got up six nothing, and it feels like they never looked back from there. Uh, Sullivan had a couple chances. You know, it was 14 to seven after one quarter, but uh, Mount Carmel had 14 unanswered in the second, and then added seven more uh, and kind of put the game away there in the third quarter. So. Uh, Sullivan season comes to an end. Mount Carmel will advance, take on Tolono Unity, the nine seed, who upset the number one seed, DeCoin. So DeCoin suffers their first loss of the season. Tolono Unity will advance. I think this is setting up very nicely for Mount Carmel there uh, to to possibly have a chance, but they will have to travel to Tolono because of that. So, uh, And then on the other side, it was another local team, Greenville, who was in action taking on uh, Stanford Olympia. And unfortunately for Greenville, their magical season comes to an end here as Stanford Olympia pulls off the seed upset, uh, the seven over the two, 40 to 20, as Greenville felt like just could never get going there on offense. And Stanford Olympia really kind of just put it to them uh, to get the win there. So Stanford Olympia um, able to get the win 40 to 20. So Stanford Olympia advances. They will take on the three seed Roxana as Roxana defeated St. Joe Ogden 48 to 47 in a high scoring affair there. The only close game there in the southern half of the 3A bracket as Roxana was able to take out St. Joe Ogden. So next Saturday over in Stanford Olympia, it will be Roxana traveling to Stanford Olympia. Now, in the 4A brackets, got one more team we need to talk about, and that is two more. Two more. I apologize. Mount Zion took on the Breeze Central, and unfortunately for the Braves, that was the end of their season as Mount Zion fell to Breeze Central there. Final score of that one was 16-13. to Breeze Central able to get the win there, and uh, it was Breeze Central... 
really it looked like kind of in control as uh, Adams only passed for 100 yards from Mount Zion. They only rushed for 102, so only 202 yards of offense. Not going to get a whole lot of, of wins doing that, and uh, unfortunately that's what happened uh, to the Braves there as uh, Mount Zion didn't score any of their points. They scored 13 in the fourth quarter and all 13 of their points, but by that point it was 16 to nothing and, and kind of kind of done. So uh, unfortunately that was the end of Mount Zion's season, but uh, the Braves with, again, nothing to hang their head about, and they had a great season. Uh, like we said, put up 13 points there at the end. They had to punt it with uh, – uh, they forced Bree Central to punt it uh, there in the uh, fourth quarter, about four minutes left. And so they had a chance, but unfortunately they fumbled it with about two minutes to go, and that was all it took. So uh, unfortunately, uh, Breeze turned it over on down. So with about a minute to go, you know, Mount Zion had it on their own, own 43, and they just couldn't make anything happen there. And that was kind of kind of the end of it. So, um, you know, a hard-fought way to go down uh, for Mount Zion, but you know they they did they did try to, to battle. They tried to fight, but unfortunately, a turnover on downs there at the end of the ball game kind of did it in. And then Bree Central was just able to to run the clock out there with a three-point lead. So Bree Central will be advancing. They'll take on the number one seed Rochester, who beat Cole City 45. 45- Two, three, and then in the other matchup on the uh, 4A side here at the southern half of the bracket, it was Murfreesboro taking on Charleston and the Trojans. They fought, but unfortunately, it was not to be as Charleston season comes to an end thanks to Murfreesboro. Murfreesboro got the win, fourteen to 13 but give Charleston credit again another close game they tried they did everything they could having to travel to Murfreesboro which is not a a a fun drive it was uh you know it was 14 to 7 there at the half and then Charleston would end up scoring um make it 14 13 there with about two minutes to go on a touchdown but then uh they missed the point after attempt, so a PAT missed. Uh, Murfreesboro did turn it over on downs uh, with about a minute to go, but uh, unfortunately Charleston had to turn it back over on downs. Just couldn't quite get the uh, couldn't quite get in there and get that first down. So that was the end for the Charleston Trojans. So Murfreesboro will advance. They will take on the 11 seed Harrisburg, who beat the 14 seed Peoria Notre Dame 27 to 22. So. Area teams left, Shelbyville and Martinsville are kind of the only two area teams that are left there. And that will wrap up high school football and a look at local sports overall for the weekend. Hey, don't forget Illinois in action tonight. Yes, Fighting Illini basketball gets the season kicked off against another area team, EIU. That game can be heard tonight right here on 99 The Game. Coverage starting at 6 o'clock. I'm sure we'll talk more basketball coming up in the pod right now we're going to take a break when we come back we'll talk some nfl you're listening to the starting lineup here on 99 the game starting lineup we need to figure out what we're going to talk about the next segment freedom should never be taken for granted this veterans day tingley insurance in effingham your local pekin insurance agency asks you to take a moment to thank a veteran for their service all gave some some gave all Please join Tingley Insurance in saluting all of our veterans for their selfless service to ensure the freedom we enjoy today. 
Everyone at Tingley Insurance Agency and Pekin Insurance is proud to salute the men and women of our armed forces this Veterans Day and every day throughout the year. This is Lucas Kroenig with a message from the FNM Fire Department. As a firefighter, I've witnessed the devastating consequences of vehicle accidents. Let's stay focused. Distracted driving kills. Keep your eyes on the road and off your phone. Buckle up. Seatbelts save lives. It's a simple action that can prevent serious injuries. Also, let's protect our little ones. Use proper car seats for children to ensure their safety. And always check the back seat. Don't forget about loved ones or pets before leaving the car. Let's prioritize car safety. Together, we can save lives. And paid for by Case Legal Media. Attention Marines, military families, and contractors who were stationed at Camp Lejeune. Were you present at Camp Lejeune between August 1953 and December of 1987? You may be entitled to significant compensation. For nearly 34 years, those on the Marine Corps-based Camp Lejeune were exposed to contaminated drinking water, resulting in devastating injuries, including several forms of cancer, adverse birth outcomes, Parkinson's disease, and more. Until now, North Carolina's procedural laws have prevented victims from getting the justice they deserve. But Passage of the Camp Lejeune Justice Act of 2022 would allow you or a loved one to file a lawsuit seeking compensation for illnesses and injuries linked to the toxic water. Call today for your free consultation, 800-528-2670. Don't wait. Let our experienced attorneys fight to get you the compensation you deserve, and you pay nothing unless there's a recovery in your favor. Call 800-528-2670. That's 800-528-2670. Again, 800-528-2670. And now, where this is the furthest Effingham has gotten, and how many times? I'm going to get blasted for getting this wrong. Who wants to go first? Travis. Third round, three times. Semis. Once. once. This year. The starting lineup. Like I said, by next week it'll no, be completely No, no, that's wrong. Well, I mean, okay, no it's not. It's okay. Everyone gets $5. Jesus, oh, that was so stupid. On 98.9 The Game. So stupid. <laughs> thought this was a freaking trick question. Welcome back to the starting lineup right here on 98.9 The Game. Eric Fry hanging out here with you. Time now for some NFL. And we'll start with our local teams, starting with First, the Chicago Bears. And before the game, it was kind of announced uh, earlier in the weekend that the Bears had signed their newest uh, trade target, uh, Sweat, to our suite. I think that's right, to an extension. And here's what Coach Matt Eberflus had to say about that. Yeah, I mean, it's extremely important. You know, Ryan and his staff did an awesome job working through that and getting that done in a timely fashion. And uh, we're all excited. You know, when you add a pass rusher, you know, to your defense and to our franchise, uh, that's that's a big deal for us going into the future. So it's a big deal for the Bears going into the future that they got a great pass rusher there. And, um, yeah, he didn't play. Oh, yeah, he did. He had two tackles. Great. No sacks. Great pass rusher, though, able to get in there. To be fair, the Bears didn't have a single sack as a team. So, again, Bears are who we thought they were. And uh, let's let's hear what Coach Eberflus had to say about uh, the loss. Because, spoiler alert, the Bears lost uh, to the Saints on Sunday, 24-17. to Here's what Coach Eberflus had to say about that loss. You know, really the story of the day, right, is just the takeaways. You know, uh, you can't – it's hard to win. You know, the league's uh, pretty even. 
you know, um, in most spots, and it's hard to win uh, when you have minus five. And uh, again, that's a, that's a whole team thing, right? It's us protecting it, us protecting the quarterback, um, us getting on defense, and us doing a better job there, uh, taking the ball away on D's. He's very right, though. The Bears do need to do a better job. They ended up having five turnovers. And uh, Tyson, uh, I'm not going to learn his name because he's not the answer. I'm sorry what I said last week. Uh, the, the quarterback for the Bears, Tyson uh, Bajant, 220 yards, two touchdowns, three picks, and a fumble there late in the game. Uh, just just awful. Taysom Hill uh, led the Saints in. Well, Derek Carr had 211 yards and two touchdowns. Taysom Hill had a touchdown on the uh, through the air. He had a receiving touchdown, and he led the Saints in rushing yards, and he becomes the third Saint to do that in a game, have a passing touchdown and a receiving touchdown in the same game. 1998, Lamar Smith was the last one to do it. So that's, uh, yep. Um Bears 2-7 and seven now, worst nine-game start since 2016. Bears 250 yards in the first half, 118 yards in the second half. Um, they outgained the Saints. Uh, they covered the spread, so that is good for you, I guess, if you're into that. But, yeah, not great. Uh, Tyson went 7-for-7 seven for, seven for 119 yards and two touchdowns off play action. But uh, when he wasn't in play action, 63% of his passes, it's all he completed at six interceptions. Ugh. Got to do it with the play action. So, uh, Bears fall. They will take on the Panthers on Thursday night football. All right. What a game for your Amazon Prime. Boy, I'm sure glad you paid for that, aren't you? You get the uh, Panthers, who are maybe the only team worse than the Bears. So, yeah. All right. Good one there. All right. Let's let's move on to uh, how about the Colts? Did they fare any better? They took on those aforementioned Panthers, and it was the Colts picking up the win, 27 to 13. Colts now four and five on the season. Garner Mitchew had 127 yards and a touchdown. Offense really didn't do a whole lot. Jonathan Taylor had 47 yards for uh, the Colts. Neither offense did anything. Um, the The Carolina rushing attack was a little bit better. They had 138 yards on the ground, but neither offense was really that great. Uh, the only scoring for the Colts came from Mr. Kenny Moore, who had two, not one, but two pick sixes. And here's what he had to say after the game. Oh, I mean, I think it would have been more turned up if it was in Lucas Oil. So uh, we're going to try to do that too. But um, just trying to be in the moment. Um, you know, as an athlete, you just try to slow down, you know, what's going on, and you want to make the best of that opportunity. You know, as an as a as a defensive back, you just want to create those turnovers, yes, but you want to get in the end zone as well. So uh, it, it was great being able to do that tonight. There you go. And the Colts, that's their first win versus an NFC opponent since 2021. And the three defensive interceptions that the Colts had the first time since week 11 of the 2021 season against the Bills. So... There is that. Uh, the Colts, by the way, had allowed 30 or more points in three straight games entering Sunday's game against the Panthers, the longest active streak in the NFL, but they stopped that, and no other team in the NFL had allowed more points than one such game over that time. Their defense turned things around a big way against the Panthers. Um, however, I think it's just, you know, Bryce Young is not that great. Sorry. Uh, yeah, he's getting outshone by another uh, – Rookie, and we'll talk about him coming up here in just a second. Let's look at some other games. Chiefs got the win over the Dolphins there in Germany, 21 to 14. It was the Vikings over the Falcons, 31 to 28. Josh Dobbs find Brandon Powell 
for a touchdown. Just 22 seconds left to get that win for the Vikings. I thought Taylor Heineke played decent, 268 yards, a touchdown, one pick, but uh, wasn't quite enough there for Atlanta. The Browns all over the Cardinals. Mari Cooper with an amazing catch uh, from that deflected pass from Deshaun Watson, but the Browns got the win, 27 to nothing. Deshaun, 219 yards and two touchdowns there for Cleveland. It was the Packers over Travis's Rams. Uh, yeah, just uh, not a good display there for the Rams. They lost the Packers 20-3. to Jordan Love, 228 yards and one touchdown there. Uh, it was the Commanders over the Patriots, yes. Uh, and it was sealed with a pick of Mac Jones. Boy, oh boy, Mac Jones, you're not who we thought you were. And the Patriots fall to 2-7. and seven. That one came in Foxborough. Commanders got the 20-17 win. Sam Howell, 325 yards, a touchdown, and a pick there for the Commanders. Ravens all over the Seahawks, 37-3. to Lamar Jackson, 187 yards. But uh, Mitchell had nine carries for 138 yards and a touchdown there for Baltimore as they were all over, all over. OBJ got a score, by the way, on his birthday. So how about that? OBJ getting a touchdown on his birthday. Uh, the Texans with the come-from-behind victory against the Buccaneers, 39-37. All anyone is talking about is C.J. Stroud. 470 yards, five touchdowns. That man was on fire yesterday. On fire. Three, 30 for 42, 470, five touchdowns, no pick, a rating of 147.8. He did take three sacks, but uh, he carried that Houston team to a come-from-behind victory, and the Houston Texans now 4-4 four and four on the season. And you can thank Mr. C.J. Stroud for that with the final touchdown coming with six seconds left as he found Tank Dell for 15 yards, and the two-point conversion did fail, but it was just enough to get the win there. 39-37 to for the Texans over the Buccaneers, who now fall to 3-5 and five on the season. It was the Giants. They fell to the Raiders 30-6, to but that wasn't the worst thing for the G-Men, as it looks like Mac Jones is going to be out for a significant amount of time. Possibly it looks like, uh, yes, torn ACL just came out this morning. Torn ACL for Daniel Jones. So he is done for the year. His season is over. As you know, There's a lot of backup quarterbacks going out there right now, including Mr. O'Connell for the Raiders, 209 yards for O'Connell. Um, but uh, the, the Giants now, without Daniel Jones, any decisions on his future now can uh, become questionable uh, due to due to this injury. So it seems like if it's not Saquon getting injured, it's Daniel Jones getting injured for the Giants. They just can't figure it out. They fall to 2-7 and seven on the year. In the big one there on Sunday afternoon, it was the Eagles getting the 28-23 victory over at the Dallas Cowboys. Dak Prescott, 374 yards and three touchdowns. Not enough as the Cowboys came up short on a game-winning drive, but Dak didn't throw an interception, so that's a, a good thing. He did have a fumble, but he was able to recover it. Um, but Jalen Hurts, 207 yards, two touchdowns, just doing what he needs to do. And uh, it was the Philadelphia team just barely getting by with a win as the Eagles improved to 8-1 on the season. Cowboys now 5-3, and 2-3 away from Dallas. And finally, Sunday Night Football. It was the Bengals getting a big win 
as they defeated the Bills 24-18. to According to Travis, both these teams are done and over, finished with. So uh, I don't know why they're on Sunday night football, but they were. Uh, Bengals getting the win. They improved to 5-3. and three. Bills fall to 5-4. and four. Joe Burrow, 348 yards, two touchdowns. Josh Allen didn't play quite as good. 258 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. Um, he led the, the Buffalo team in, in rushing, so if that's something you want to hang your hat on there. Josh Allen had 44 yards rushing and a touchdown, but it uh, wasn't enough as uh, the Bengals get the win, and maybe the Bills are done. Maybe the window is closed. We'll have to wait and see. You ask Travis, he'll tell you. The window has been closed. So there you go. That is a look from the weekend there at the NFL slate. We will take a break. When we come back, we'll have a look at your NBA action, including get you scores from the first night of the play-in tournament. That's all coming up here on the starting lineup on 98.9 The Game. The starting lineup from 98.9 The Game Studios will be right back. Stack up on pet supplies from Menards and save 11% on everything. Come check our great selection of pet food and wildlife supplies. Chicken Soup for the Soul is a dog food made with real beef and quality ingredients. It provides well-balanced nutrition for supporting happy, healthy pets. Right now, get a 13-ounce can for just $2.49 after 11% off. Good through November 12th, savings are a mail-in rebate. Some exclusions apply. See store for details. Save big money at Menards. Imagine the possibilities with Teutopolis State Bank. This is Jerry Rundy. If you're buying a home, see us to get pre-qualified. When you're pre-qualified, the seller knows you mean business, and that can save you thousands. If you're building a new home, we'll help you get started with a construction loan customized just for you. Ask around. Talk with your friends. You'll see why so many homes start with a little help from Teutopolis State Bank. In Teutopolis, Sigel, and Effingham. Equal housing lender and member FDIC. Hey, son, how are you feeling? Um, I'm fine, Pops. What's on your mind? I just, I can't explain it. Navigating without a compass, eyes waiting, started to wonder. Metamorphosis, the loss of who you thought you were. When your kid can't find the language, help them find the lyrics. Listen to the Sound It Out album and get tips and tools to start a conversation at sounditouttogether.org. Brought to you by Ad Council and Pivotal Ventures. Lowe's knows pros want savings now. That's why, as an MVP's Pro Rewards member, you get volume savings on orders of $1,500 or more at the Pro Desk. And there's more. We've lowered our prices on select top products like electrical wire and drywall, so you can get the job necessities for less. Because Lowe's knows savings. Lowe's knows pros. In-store only. Exclusions, restrictions, and more terms apply. Details at Lowe's.com terms. Subject to change. Isn't that aroma just heavenly? What's with the whispering? Inside this grill is the secret to winning game days. Mmm. Eckridge Smoked Sausage, crafted with a perfect medley of spices for a truly rich, savory taste. So easy to prepare, too. Now, hand me one of those buns. Whoa, whoa. Keep your voice down. Marty, you're still whispering? Secret's out, buddy. Eckridge.com has dozens of simple, mouth-watering recipes for everyone to win game days this season. And now... But then uh, tomorrow I'll open up a uh, three-game set with the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks coming up uh, tomorrow. But enjoy St. Louis Cardinal baseball right here and right now on 98.9 The Game.
the starting lineup. Oh, I still got. We still got a few more minutes. Yeah. What am I doing? What am I doing here? You're supposed to keep me. You're supposed to keep me on the rails here. I'm Jeez, sorry. my I, God. I was, I was. I was just agreeing with you. Oh my God. It's okay. Not really. But. Yeah, we still got a couple more minutes. Let's talk about Carrasco. On 98.9, the game. Oh, I still got. We still got a few more minutes. Yeah. What am I doing? Eric Fry, Sports Center update. St. Louis City's season comes to an end after they choked in the first round of the MLS playoff. City ended up being swept in the best three series against Sporting KC after a 2-1 loss at Children's Mercy Park yesterday. St. Louis was the number one seed in the Western Conference during its inaugural season. The club now heads into the offseason. The Blues scored three goals in the third period of their 6-3 win over the Montreal Canadiens at the Enterprise Center on Saturday. Blues are now 5-4-1 on the season. They'll host Winnipeg tomorrow night. It's college football action from over the weekend. Eastern Illinois got the win over Lindenwood 16-10. It was Missouri State getting edged out by Illinois State 36-35. Southeast Missouri State lost to Robert Morris 21-20. Southern Illinois went down against South Dakota 14-7. And Western Illinois was crushed by Northern Iowa 50-6. College basketball action going on today. Lindenwood will visit Nebraska. Missouri State's at West Virginia. Southeast Missouri State travels to Grand Canyon. Eastern Illinois, as we said, is going to take on Illinois. That game can be heard right here on 98.9 in the game at 6 o'clock tonight. Southern Illinois hosts Kentucky State. Western Illinois visits UTSA. SIU Edwardsville is at Dayton. And as we talked about, the Bears extended Montez Sweet, a four-year extension worth up to $98 million over the weekend. $72 million of it's guaranteed. He's acquiring the trade deadline with Washington last week. Welcome back to the starting lineup. Eric Fry here, all by myself. Let's get you caught up on NBA in-season tournament. First of all, I did not know this was not – I knew I knew it wasn't an everyday thing. Then I read that it was every – you know, it was Tuesdays and Fridays. But now I found out it's not every Tuesday and Friday. So it was last Friday was the first kind of round-robin games. And then they'll take a week off of this in-season tournament until next Friday. But they're still going to play regular season games. This thing is – it's backwards. This is this is kind of silly. So here's your results from Friday in the East A pool. Pacers got the win over the Cavs. Uh, B pool it was the Bucks over the Knicks. Heat over the Wizards. And in the C pool it was the Nets over the Bulls 109-107. West pool A Trailblazers beat the Grizzlies in overtime, so the Grizzlies still haven't won as of Friday. Uh, West B Nuggets over the Mavericks 125-114. West C it was. The Warriors over the Thunder, 141 to 139. So that gets you caught up on action from a Friday in the in-season tournament. We'll talk more about that as we enter this Friday. Action from Saturday, 76ers got the win over the Suns, 112 to 100. See, don't need James Harden to be good. Just need Joel Embiid to have 26 points and 11 rebounds to get the win. Hornets got the win over the Pacers, 125 to 124, despite Harry's Halliburton's 43 points. Wasn't enough. Magic got the win over the Lakers. What? Yes, 120 to 101. Magic win. They're now four and two on the Caesars. Lakers, Lakers fall to three and three. Anthony Davis, 28 points, 13 rebounds. Not enough. Hawks beat the Pelicans, 123 to 105. Behind Trey Young's 22 
point and a floater from three. That's right, a three-point floater from Trey Young. Looked nice there on Saturday. Celtics stay undefeated. They beat the Nets 124-114 to 114 behind Tatum's 32 points. And the Rockets got the win over the Kings 107-89. to 89. It was the Timberwolves 123-95 over the Jazz. And the Bulls, they fell to the Nuggets 123-101. to 101. Vucevic had 19 points with Jokic, 28 points and 16 rebounds there on Saturday. Sunday action for you. Suns rebounded. They got a win against the the Pistons 120 to 106. Durant got angry, put up 41 points to get the win there. It was the Raptors getting the win in overtime against the Spurs 123 to 116. As when Yama couldn't quite get it done in overtime, Spurs had the lead, faltered down the stretch. Scotty Barnes 30 points, 11 rebounds. When Yama had 20 points and five blocks, wasn't enough. Cavs beat the Warriors 115 to 104 behind Donovan Mitchell's 31 points in that one. Mavericks 124 to 118 over the Hornets. Don Luca had 23 points and 12 rebounds. Lamelo had 30 points and 10 rebounds, 13 assists, a triple-double. Not enough to get the win. And it was the Grizzlies getting their first win of the season. Yay! They're now 1-6. They beat the Trailblazers 112-100. to Desmond Bain had 30 points there for the Grizzlies. Action going on tonight. Warriors will head to Detroit to take on the Pistons. It'll be the Spurs and the Pacers when Yama in Indy. Could be fun. Tickets as low as $19 for that. Mavericks and the Magic. That's actually a battle between two winning teams right now. Mavericks 5-1, Magic 4-2. Wizards head to seven, head to Philly to take on the 76ers. 76ers favored by 11.5 in that one. Bucks and the Nets clash in Brooklyn. Lakers will take on the Heat. Heat only 2-4 on the season. Lakers only 3-3. Three three. Neither team that good. Uh, Clippers and the Knicks. 3-2 Clippers. 2-4 Knicks. It will be the Jazz traveling to Chicago. Take on the 2-5 Bulls. Bulls favored by 4.5 in that one because the Jazz aren't very good either. Uh, Kings head to Houston. Take on the Rockets. Celtics try to stay perfect on the season. They take on the Timberwolves in Minnesota. Hawks and the Thunder. And the Pelicans will head to Denver to take on the Nuggets in that one. So that's a look at your NBA. No nationally televised games tonight unless you have NBA TV. All right, we're going to step away. Well, actually, no, before we step away, let's take a look real quick at the schedule for college basketball tonight. <coughs> As the men's college basketball season tips off, and actually, we already got games underway right now. Let me see if I can get an update for you on some of these uh, games going on right now here this morning. As in the second quarter, it is IUPUI all over Spalding, 70-61. to 61. Uh, Hofstra currently beating St. Joseph's Long Island, 78-25. to 25. That game with 9.40 left to go in the second half. Uh, Troy over Fort Lauderdale, 29-15 to 15 in the first half. And North American versus Stephen F. Austin is delayed right now. In a delay. Coming up at 3.30, it'll be Georgia and Oregon out in Vegas, part of the Hall of Fame series. You can see that on True TV. Ooh. Uh, first Big Ten team in action today. Purdue will take on Samford, 5.30. Big Ten Network for that one. As we mentioned, Illinois will be in action later tonight. You can hear it right here on 98.9. The Penn State will take on Delaware State a little bit later on today. Uh, Indiana State will take on St. Mary of the Woods College over there in Terre Haute. That game will be on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, Rutgers is in action on Peacock, and they host Princeton. So if you want to watch some Peacock tonight, get some Rutgers basketball in. Uh, 
there's that out there for you. Uh, Louisville takes on UMBC. That game's on ESPN+. Plus. Notre Dame on ESPN+. Plus. They host uh, Niagara. Um, Ohio State will take on Oakland at 6 o'clock. The Illini will see Oakland later on this week. SAU Edwardsville at Dayton, as we mentioned. That game on ESPN+. Plus at 6 o'clock. Oh, mm. Trying to see any other Big Ten matchups I can find. Number one, Kansas is in action. They take on North Sen- North Carolina Central. Number seven, Houston takes on UL Monroe at 7 o'clock. Arkansas, number 14, hosts Alcorn State. All the ranked teams play later. Texas A&M takes on Texas A&M Commerce. I bet you there's a rivalry there. Uh, number 16, Kentucky takes on New Mexico State. Uh, number 18, Texas takes on Incarnate Word. At uh, 7 o'clock, it'll be number 24, Alabama, takes on Moorhead State at 7. St. Louis will host Southern Indiana at 7 o'clock on ESPN+. Southern Illinois will host Kentucky State at ESPN+, Plus at 7 o'clock. Wisconsin will take on Arkansas State. I think that's it as far as Big Ten games go. Here on the kickoff, oh, Nebraska takes on Lindenwood. Uh, Bethan Cookman takes on Minnesota. Northwestern takes on uh, Binghamton. Michigan State, number four, Michigan State. They'll take on James Madison, 730. Also at 730, number five, Marquette takes on Northern Illinois on the Fox app. Not even on Fox TV, just the Fox app for that one. Number two, Duke takes on Dartmouth. Mm, any more? Got any more? Number 12, Arizona takes on Morgan State at 8.30. Now we're getting into the ones past my bedtime. Number 21, USC takes on Kansas State there out in Vegas on TNT, part of the Hall of Fame series. Number 23, St. Mary's in action as well. Number 17, San Diego State takes on Cal State Fullerton. And UCLA ends the night taking on St. Francis, PA. There at 10.30 out in California. So there you go. That's a look at your college basketball. And we'll recap some of that tomorrow here on the starting lineup. Right now, we're going to step away. When we come back, we will have your top three from the sports weekend. We'll cram the whole weekend down to three things we've yet to talk about. And I'll tell you more about that coming up just a little bit right here on the starting lineup. The starting lineup from 98.9 The Game Studios. We'll be right back. In 2021, the Effingham County Sheriff's Office received over 200 reports of fraud, forgery, and scams. This is your Effingham County Sheriff Paul Coons reminding you that if someone contacts you that you don't know with an offer that sounds too good to be true, it is. Please shop with our local trusted area businesses and craftsmen who work hard to maintain their reputation. If you think that you've been the target of a potential scam, call your local police to report it. You may prevent someone else from being taken advantage of. Imagine the possibilities with the Topless State Bank. This is Justin Naders. If you're buying a home, see us to get pre-qualified. When you're pre-qualified, the seller knows you mean business, and that can save you thousands. If you're building a new home, we'll help you get started with a construction loan customized just for you. Ask around. Talk to your friends. You'll see why so many homes start with a little help from Topless State Bank. And Topless Sigel, and Effingham. Equal housing lender and member FDIC. 
Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. Hey guys, did you know there's a generic form of Viagra that works just the same, but is 95% cheaper? And you can get it online? Just go to hymns.com slash joy. Through Hims, you'll get a free medical consultation, discreet shipping if prescribed, a 100% online process, and trusted generic alternatives to the name brands at up to 95% off. That's right, get generic for Viagra, the same active ingredient as brand name Viagra, but for 95% less. It's the same medication, still prescribed by a licensed medical provider, but with zero copay, no expensive appointments, and no awkward face-to-face conversations. To start your free online visit, you need to go to this exclusive address, hymns.com slash joy. That's hymns.com slash joy for your free online visit, himscom slash J-O-Y. And now, is this really what we're talking about today? Because if it is, I'm going to leave. The starting lineup. Like... This is ridiculous. All right. We'll get back on track. <laughs> Sports podcast talking about phones. Give me a break. On 98.9 The Game. This is ridiculous. Give me a break. Welcome back into the starting lineup. Don't forget, coming up on the podcast, we'll talk some more, including a couple interviews I was supposed to air last week and didn't. Travis texted me over the weekend, said, hey, you forgot to air these. So we're going to air them today, talking with FEM head football coach, well, Cumberland's head football coach, wrapping up their seasons. Those will be up in the pod today because, like I said, I forgot to talk about them on last week got sports history recap of pickem some nhl and some nascar as well but right now we just have enough time for a little top 3 for you and now it's, it's time, time for the top 3 <laughs> top 3 we condense i condense the sports weekend down to 3 things and one of them you've already heard but it needs to be talked about, and that is the success of local athletes this weekend, whether it be uh, Shelbyville and Mount Carmel getting the win on the football field, as well as Martinsville, or it was St. Anthony Bulldogs Volleyball making the trip to state, making history in the process of going the furthest they've gone in volleyball in a very long time, if ever. I'll do some more research on that one. Uh, As well as getting first in state uh, there for Keller, for St. Anthony, um, just overall a great weekend for our area as far as local athletes go. So congratulations to all those local athletes uh, that had such a great weekend. Number two for my top three is Demar Hamlin. Did you see this? So the Bills returned to Cincinnati, and Demar Hamlin is setting up a scholarship program in honor of the hospital workers who saved his life. Hamlin, as we know, suffered cardiac arrest on the field back in January while playing in Cincinnati and ended up in the ICU for a week. Well, over the weekend, he announced that he was establishing 10 $1,000 scholarships, each one in the name of the 10 people on the hospital team that kept him alive. Hamlin said his Cincinnati Heroes scholarship will help undeserved, underserved high school and college-bound students attend private high schools, trade schools, or universities in the area. 
That is not only taking a negative and turning it into a positive right there, but that is an athlete doing good with their stardom and with their prosperity and stuff like that. What a great, great job. I mean, the DeMar Hamlin story itself is just amazing. But then to come back to Cincinnati and do this for that community and to do it in the name of the 10 people in the hospital that kept him alive, so cool. That is so awesome. That may be one of the best kind of sports story things we've seen as far as an athlete taking uh, an absolute tragedy and turning it around and doing good, but not even doing good for him, but doing good for others. That is so cool. DeMar Hamlin seems like such a great guy. He's the kind of guy like I want to go hang out with, right? Like I want to hang out with DeMar Hamlin, but that is, that's me. I'd hang out with him. And finally, we are going to wrap things up uh, talking some NASCAR. No, not the cup race on Sunday. No, not the Xfinity race on Saturday. We're talking trucks and the absolute sham that that championship race ended up being. This is what happens when you have one race to decide your champion. You have someone who isn't mature enough, as in Carson Hosovar, and I'll talk more about this in the pod, just take out a fellow competitor, and then his competitor, who he's competing with for the championship, who is the best car all day, Corey Heim, just takes him out later in the race. Well-deserved, I think. But you can't have this on this stage. And some of these NASCAR drivers, I saw some of the tweets over the weekend just talking about what an absolute travesty this was and how um, this race just absolutely was not acceptable for what NASCAR is looking for. So we will uh, talk about that, uh, that race coming up a little bit more as well as the rest of the NASCAR weekend coming up as well as we will recap entertainment pickums as well as this day in sports history some NHL all coming up plus remember those uh those interviews with those coaches I forgot yeah I make mistakes too and I will uh, try to make up for it coming up in the pod you can download that podcast at Effingham Radio dot com or wherever you get pods hey by the way Travis is gonna be back tomorrow so be on the lookout for that coming up here on the starting lineup right now we're gonna get you to Carlin versus Joe right here on 98.9 the game WHQQ thanks for listening to the starting lineup on 98.9 the game Welcome into overtime here on the starting lineup. Got lots of things to get to, including an interview I forgot about that we got to get in. Two of them, actually. Uh, We'll talk more about that uh, truck race from Friday and the rest of the NASCAR weekend. Recap Pick'em, as well as some NHL. But first, let's get to... Uh, the rest of Sports Centers, the Blackhawks weren't able to complete a comeback as they fell 42 to the Devils. Uh, so there you go. The uh, Chicago Blackhawks four and seven on the year. Ugh. They visit Tampa Bay on Thursday. Uh, the Cubs were one of three teams to have three Gold Glove winners. The MLB awarded second baseman Nico Horner, shortstop Dansby Swanson, now fielder Ian Happ, National League Gold Gloves yesterday. Swanson and Happ both won the award for the second year in a row, while it's the first win for Nico Horner. Rangers and Blue Jays also had three Gold Glove winners. 
The Cubs have a clear picture of their off-season needs as the Cubs picked up their team options, starting quarterback Kyle Hendricks and catcher Jan Gomes yesterday, meaning both players are under contract for the 2024 season. However, starting pitcher Marcus Stroman will enter free agency after declining his player option, and Cody Bellinger will join him after declining his mutual option. Teams can begin signing free agents starting tonight. We'll try and get you an update on some MLB rumors. Of course, everyone knows that the main thing that we're looking for is where exactly is Shohei Otani going? Well, maybe we'll have a clear picture by the end of the day. Maybe not. We'll, we'll see. I, who knows where he's going to go? Who knows? But uh, the Cardinals made a move as they acquired right-hander Riley O'Brien from the Mariners. So there's that. O'Brien was slated to hit free agency, minor league free agency, if not add to a 40-man. So they picked him up. The 28-year-old was an eighth-round pick in the 2017 draft by Tampa Bay. Pitched well in three seasons with the organization as both a starter and a reliever. So there's that for you. If you're a Cardinal fan, get ready. Mr. O'Brien is coming. And also in baseball news, the Cleveland Guardians have hired Stephen Voigt as their new man. So they have their new man. And, hey, local pitcher Chad Green uh, is exercising, getting his exercise option by the Blue Jays. So Chad Green will stick around in Toronto. So there is that for you. I've got qualifying offers and stuff like that that will be popping up soon. So, um, And then on tomorrow's show, me and Travis will kind of look at the free agency class. Hopefully no free agents have signed by them, but if so, we'll take them out. We'll maybe do our free agent game, which everyone loves, right? That's always a, a hit every year. Um, let's see. White Sox are cleaning house. Southsiders lost three players to declined options over the weekend as the Sox decided against picking up the team options for Tim Anderson and Liam Hendricks. Meanwhile, starting pitcher Mike Clevenger declined his player option. Anderson had a down year after making back-to-back all-star teams in 21 and 2022. Hendricks needed Tommy John surgery after bringing him five games and his return from beating cancer in 2023. All three players are now free agents. USC is parting ways with defensive coordinator Alex Grinch right before the holiday season, too. Mm-mm-mm. Trojans head coach Lincoln Riley announced on Sunday that the Grinch was relieved of his duties. Riley made the change after USC's defense surrendered 110 total points in the past two games, including 52 in Saturday's loss to fifth-ranked Washington. On the season, the Trojans were allowing 34.5 points per game and ranked in the bottom 30 nationally in several key categories. Defensive line coach Sean Nua and linebackers coach Brian Odom will serve as co-defensive coordinators for the rest of the season. C.J. McCollum is recovering from a scary injury. The New Orleans Pelicans guard had a small pneumo thyrix in his right lung, which occurs when air leaks into the space between your lung and chest wall. It can be either a complete lung collapse or a collapse of only a portion of the lung. McCollum has dealt with this issue previously in his career after being diagnosed with one in December 2021. The 32-year-old is averaging 21.75 points, 5.7 assists, and 4.8 rebounds in six games this season. We talked about uh, Gold Glove winners. Uh, Shortstop Anthony Vlope became the first Yankee rookie to win the award, and he was one of 13 players to win the award for the first time, including Brenton Doyle from Colorado, Gabriel Monero, Monero from Arizona as rookies, center fielder Kevin Keimer, and third baseman Matt Chapman each brought the league 
award home for the fourth time for the Blue Jays. So there is that. A Cincinnati Reds icon is stepping away from the franchise. Joey Votto posted a video on social media on Sunday saying goodbye to Reds fans. The 40-year-old expressed his gratitude for playing in Cincinnati after the team declined to pick up his $20 million player option in 2024. Votto hit 202 with 14 homers and 38 RBIs in 65 games last season. First baseman spent all 17 years of his career in Cincy and is a lifetime 294 hitter with 356 homers and 1,144 RBIs. That's a tragedy. Like, travesty or tragedy, however you want to look at it. The fact that Joey Votto is not going to finish his career as a Red, that just, oh, that really upsets me. Like, Joey Votto, whether you liked him or you didn't like him, you know, and I, I know Cardinal fans and Cubs fans and Reds fans don't always get along, but, you know, you kind of thought for sure that he would, you know, just finish his career as a Red. And now, after 17 years, it's just, no, we're not picking up your option. See you later. It's like... That's uh, that's frustrating. That's sad. So, uh, well, I guess we just move on, right? We just move on. That's what we do. So there you go. Joey Votto will be leaving the Reds after the season, and that is Sports Center update. All right. Before we go any further, let's go ahead and get that interview in with our two coaches, Coach Watkins of the Cumberland Pirates, Coach Hefner for the FEM Hearts. Recapping their season, now again, this is from last week. My apologies, but it's on the show right now. Travis Sparks here with FEM Head Coach Brett Hefner and a Coach here. Unfortunately, your season came to a close there on a Saturday against Mount Zion. It was a 21-2 to uh, final score, so it was not the outcome that you were looking for on Saturday. No, it wasn't. Uh, again, I thought I thought we played really, really well defensively and, and finally had a chance now to look at the stats. And, you know, they only had 44 yards rushing, 125 yards passing. I mean, so to hold them down – to that and the two times we played them hold them to 21 points and then 14 points is about all you could ask out of your defense uh, um, unfortunately we didn't play very well offensively couldn't get in rhythm didn't really sustain anything didn't do a real good job of blocking them all game whether it was run blocking or pass blocking right, yeah and that seemed to be one of the main differences from the week eight matchup was uh, your ability to rush the ball here but then a uh, completely different story on Saturday. Just couldn't get the run game going at all. No, we couldn't. And they, you know, they, they had a couple guys come back that they didn't play that didn't play in our game down here. They had a linebacker and defensive lineman come back. So that that changed the makeup of them a little bit. And, and as, as most people are, they're a little bit more difficult to play at home than they are on the road. But um, it was frustrating for me just because I just I felt like we spent the whole game catching. We weren't real aggressive up yeah. front that, that we, we were doing a lot of catching and uh, that's not normally how we play. All right. Like you said, the defense didn't play uh, too bad. They had those two scores at the very end of the first quarter and second quarter. But, you know, all in all, like you said, the defense played pretty good. Yeah, we just we, we had to play too many plays on defense. You yeah. know, and they caught us uh, caught us one time on a deep ball, uh, w- w- which we were playing with two safeties to try and eliminate that. But they caught us when uh, 11 was in the backfield. Anytime he was in the backfield, we really weren't worried about him throwing the ball. And mm-hmm. they went ahead and, and threw one and got us got us one-on-one, uh, took advantage of it there. But other than that, you know, we gave him a short field uh, one time, you know, and, and, and probably the one that hurt the most was the one right before half. Uh, for, you know, as bad as we had played, if we could go in at that point, yeah. um, just a one-score game with getting the ball, you feel a little bit yeah. better. 
coming out at halftime than, than, than coming out down two scores. Yeah, and thank uh, another thing that I thought was important on Saturday was the turnovers. They yeah. had some as well, and you had some key moments for uh, you guys, uh, including that one, I think it was their third score that kind of set them up right on the doorstep, that fumble on the punt return. And then uh, when you finally were able to get something going later in the game, uh, also, there was another fumble. Yeah, we just and, and you can't turn the ball. We we say it all the time. We got to make every possession end in a kick. And any time that you that you turn the ball over, whether it's in special teams or offensively, it's it's not good. And that certainly didn't help things either. Right, yeah, and also it was uh, frustrating that you know you kind of had to switch up your strategy with them taking away the uh, run game because that's kind of what built, what this team is built on, and then they took it away. Yeah, it's tough. The tough part is this: we you know when you see somebody that's is that you know. They're athletic, which is why you know we used six committed six guys to defend the pass, and mm-hmm. those same guys that we have to double cover or turn around and covering us, um, and just you know can be tough to shake loose on them. And then to top it all off, when we're not protecting very well, and the ball's got to come out quick, it's just hard to hard to get anything going, especially explosively down the field. Yeah, um, especially if you're not running the ball uh, to set up your play action game and stuff like that. So just. Uh, very frustrating day all around offensively. Yeah, it was. And unfortunately, that closes out the season there. What was the message after after the game, after such a heartbreaking loss? Yeah, the, the hard part is you never plan on your season to come to an end. I mean, you know, every game I think you go into, you think, okay, hey, you know, you come up with a game plan, you have a good week of practice. So certainly wasn't uh, the message that, and meeting that I wanted to have after the game, you know, and the big things are always just to tell the seniors how much you appreciate everything that they've done. You know, so many of those guys were four-year guys for us. Uh, some of them two-year starters, and yeah. and so to lose those guys. But at the same time, five of the eight years that, that that we've had a chance to get into playoffs here, we've we've done it. You know, and and those guys have been part of it the last two years, and you know that's a difficult task, uh, especially mm-hmm. with our schedule that we've had to play the last few years uh, to get in is difficult. So. Uh, for them to be proud of that and and, and, and proud of, of of that accomplishment, and then to the guys coming back, talk about the disappointment of you know, hey, uh, you know, we got used to playing more than one playoff game around here, and yeah. you know, this is, you know, we're we're going to meet and collect stuff this week, and it'll be something that we you know that we cover on, you know, if you, if you want it, if you want that to change, then here's what you have to do. Like, there's no magic formula, you know, right. the, the magic formula is to work and. Right. Uh, uh, so we'll cover that um, as well when we meet with them. All right, yeah, there's a long way to go before the start of next season, but also that's got to be the message going forward as well. With It's been nice making the playoffs at five and four the past two seasons, but also you got to be able to have a longer stay in the postseason as well rather than just be kind of satisfied with being in at five and four. Yeah. And, okay, we play a tough schedule. We got all the points, but – uh, we need to we need to actually put some wins together. Yeah, and that, and that's been the fun times. Is you know the last two years are the only two years that we didn't advance. Yeah, you know, every other year we we've, we've advanced. So we've got to get got to get back to that. But it's going to take uh, take a lot of work on everybody's part and a lot of commitment on everybody's part. And uh, you know we'll let winter sports get rolling and then we'll hop in and get going and see what we've got and start moving toward that. Uh, yeah, and so how would you uh, categorize, categorize this uh, season, getting back into the uh, postseason again, but obviously wanting to be a, a longer stint? Yeah, I, I tell you so what. After it's, everything uh, you went through, I thought you guys were playing pretty well after that modern day game and whatnot. So uh, how well did you think that you played towards the end of the yeah, season? Yeah, it was a 
it was a frustrating season because it was so up and down, you know, and, and if, if you felt that way, you can only imagine how we felt, exactly. you know, and the, the frustrating part was I thought we gave a couple games away. Um, I thought we should have won the Mount Carmel game. I felt like we should have won the Charleston game. So just those two games alone, and then you throw in modern days hard to figure, but we just we didn't play and compete. We didn't we had some guys that we didn't start and didn't play the first few series, and yeah. for whatever reason we just we chose not to show up and compete that that day. And mm-hmm. uh, to see with Mount Zion what that score was, so you wonder, okay, if we had come to play, you yeah. know what would happen. But even even if you don't take that game into the equation, you know I felt like we should have finished seven and two, mm-hmm. and. Uh, seven and two. Now maybe you're playing a home game, and yeah. maybe you're playing, you know, a Freeburg, or you're playing, you know, somebody, you know, somebody, yeah. somebody different, somebody that you haven't just played two weeks ago, you know. Right. And so now, you know, it's so from that standpoint, it was frustrating. But then you your back's against the wall, and you come up with a huge up, upset, and yeah. and give yourself a chance. Now you're proud and happy for your kids, and you finally are playing pretty well, and then you. You get the drawing. You got to turn around and play somebody that you just played two weeks ago. Which uh, in any sport, it's difficult to beat somebody twice, but football, especially, just because of everything that goes into it. So, very up and down. You go from disappointment to elation to, yeah. you know, whatever. And the, and the unique thing about it is, you know, we've had years where your record and the seed really doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And I think any coach would probably tell you that when it comes to any kind of tournament or postseason tournament is. As important as the seed is, the matchups are what's more important. Yeah, There's some that, you know, you know, sometimes you can get a better draw, you know, mm-hmm. like the year in 2019, we thought we needed to be 9-0. and Well, then all of a sudden going 8-1 and got us a better draw yeah. through the board than, than if we'd have been 9-0, and you know. Yeah. And then we've had years where, you know, you're 5-4, and four, you end up with a better draw. So it just uh, – so that part of it, but, uh, you know, so from the disappointment to the – the pride and the elation of how our kids performed the last two weeks when your backs were against the wall to, and really they fought and competed on Saturday. We just didn't, yeah. we just didn't execute real well in, in a couple phases of, of mm-hmm. the game. But, uh, uh, you know, so certainly something to build on. Right. Yeah. And you'll build on with those uh, players coming back, you know, you have you look at positions, they have uh, sprinkled throughout uh, across both sides of the ball as well. So, uh, that'll be something to build on as well. Yeah, I mean we've got we've got some spots we got to fill, but uh, you know we like our young kids. Uh, you know we don't put much emphasis on winning uh, with with those guys. It's about development and all that. But okay. they had a nice season. They finished seven and two. So there's some parts down there. Some you know it's it's all about putting the best eleven together on each side of the ball and and seeing how it how it plays out. You know hopefully we can get a big incoming group of freshmen. Uh, to join us and, and uh, you know, start the process to, to build them towards next year. And next year will be here before you know yeah, it. Yeah, will be. August will be coming quick. And yeah. I guess you prepped before that, but. Yeah, it is. This is, everybody always asks me, you know, well, hey, you enjoying your free time, whatever. And the answer is always no. Like <laughs> I'm used to, used to being busy. And, and so I prefer to be busy. And, uh, you know, so I, those first couple of days, you kind of go home and feel sorry for yourself, and then after that, you you start working on okay, you start yeah. what do we got to do for next year? And you start getting itchy, and you want to. The natural thing is to want to start up right then, but it's pretty good for the kids to get away and have a chance to go start their winter sport, play winter sport if they want to, and all that before we get going. 
All right, Coach. Well, we appreciate you joining us here week in and week out, and uh, we'll uh, talk to you at the beginning of next season. Sounds great. Thank you. Eric Fry joined here on the starting lineup with Coach Watkins of the Cumberland Pirates. And, uh, Coach, uh, unfortunately, Friday night was just not the night for the Pirates falling there to Casey, uh, 49-7. Uh, just now that you've had time to look back on that game Friday night, uh, I, I know you're going to say a lot of things, but what went wrong for the Pirates on Friday? Uh, just a culmination of, of a lot of things. I mean, we didn't execute. We kind of had a game plan going in that we wanted to execute, and we didn't do that very well. Um, turned the football over a couple times in the first half, and again, you can't do that against a quality opponent, and we've talked about that all year long. Uh, threw a couple interceptions there and uh, gave them short fields, you know, and again, they're they're a good offense, and when you do that, they're, they're probably going to score, and they did, and then and we came out. It was, I mean, it was a manageable game, you know, at twenty-one nothing at halftime. Then it got out of control real quick. With uh, again, we turned the football over, we fumbled a couple, give them short fields, and it was forty to, you know, forty-two nothing before you knew it. And there was a running clock. And um, again, just not execution, not executing the game plan. You know, we had in, in place and and turnovers. You know, really, really, really kind of hurt us. And did the weather affect uh, the turnovers at all? I know it wasn't raining quite as much in that first half, and it really started kind of picking up towards the end of the first half and definitely in the start of the third quarter. Did that have any effect on the turnovers for the Pirates? I mean, possibly. Um, but, you know, I look at, like, the McComas game, you know, and it was rainy. And, I mean, uh, we threw one interception late in the game. But other than that, that was the only turnover we had. So it's not like we'd never been – you know, expose the elements or the rain or anything, or that was new. But um, I think, you know, we kind of wanted to throw the ball. We knew that their run defense was really well. That was kind of our game plan. And um, when we did that, it was, you know, early on, there was there was a little bit of rain. And then uh, they were having trouble kind of hanging on the ball, too, and then fumbled snaps there. So uh, it affected us, I think, but it also affected them. And, and, again, that wasn't the first time that we'd, you know, been exposed to, to the elements and the wet ball. And, um, they kind of acted like we we did, though. Again, like Comus, we didn't have the issue, but but last Friday we did against Casey. And you know, I wasn't there on the sidelines. I know you were. What was you know the kids' attitude? A, a tough game like that, where you're so hyped up about you know being in the playoffs and everything like that, and then to come out and have the game you had. Was there a lot of you know? I didn't see it from the broadcast position of you know hanging heads and woe is us and can't believe it's ending. What was the feeling on the sidelines? Um, I mean, early on, the first, you know, half, it was good. Beginning of the second half, it was good. And, you know, we kind of preached to the kids to always keep their heads up and don't give up. You know, don't don't pay attention to what the scoreboard says. Just just play hard and play your game. And, I mean, we were really, I thought, jacked up there to start the game. Yeah. And then we got that, that questionable call there that kind of, again, you did not the difference in the game. It kind of let the the wind out of our sails a little bit, if you will, and it's like we didn't have that edge kind of kind of after that. But um, I think we stayed positive for the most part. Um, we talked to the kids, you know, control what you can control and um, just stay positive, keep playing hard, and, and um, I mean, in that situation, that's kind of all you can do, really. And, Coach, now uh, wrapping up that game, I know that we kind of had the sophomores and juniors come in at the very end of that game. Does that give you a little bit of confidence to kind of see what you have for next year and kind of get a little bit of a head start on it and, and stuff like that heading into the offseason? Well, I think so. I mean, a lot of our sophomores and juniors had to play, you know, a lot. Right. We got some really good experience for them, you know, and going into the season, I didn't know what to expect. You know, I thought we could win a couple games. I thought we could win, you know, five, six, seven games. You just, you just never know what the youth that we had and 
Um, it just wasn't at the end of the game. Those kids have to play all the time, you know, the sophomores and the juniors and everything. So I think not only Friday night, but just throughout the whole season, they got got a lot of experience and, and, and grew throughout the season as well. And I think that kind of, you know, looking forward to next year will, will be positive for us. And uh, hopefully we have, you know, a good off season and, and get in the weight room. And we always talk about, you know, get bigger, faster, and stronger. That's, that's the name of the game. And let's talk about uh, the season just as a whole, Coach. Uh, you know, finishing six and four, another winning record, another postseason appearance. Uh, maybe a couple of letdowns along the way, but overall, how would you look at the Cumberland Pirates season from top to bottom? I think it was it was good. I mean, again, going in, I did not know what to expect. We right. had so many kids that played varsity for the first time, and you just didn't know. Again, we. I think I had an interview earlier in the year with somebody, and I said we could be a one-two win team. I mean, we could be a seven-eight win team. We don't know. So for us to finish, you know, with a winning record, and I think that's that's positive. That that's good, um, and you know, and get kids' experience and everything. We're for as young as we were. So uh, going into the season, I you know, with just the inexperience, I really didn't know what to expect. So um, I think it was it was positive. It was like I said, good, and uh, never as good as you want it to be. You know, you can always strive to do better, um, but. Again, these kids got a lot of experience this year, and hopefully that'll that'll boost us in the next season. And before I get you out of here, I want to talk to you about two of the the seniors that that you know I significantly remember calling a lot of because of their positions. I know there's a lot more, but um, Blake McMeekin as well as uh, Olmstead. What do they mean to this program? And 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 you know how would you kind of look at them going forward and, and looking back? Um, they're just great kids. They're, they're students of the game and, and good kids and Blake's a kid that's been probably played I don't know exactly I know he started as a sophomore you know for us um, on both sides of the ball he may play a little bit as a freshman you know maybe a little undersized but he's just a kid that um, embodies what you want you know in a program a hard-nosed kid a tough kid and Braden's you know kind of had to wait patiently he played some as a junior last year on the defensive side and pullback for us and he's just a kid that will do anything you ask of him and he was just a great kid um, I think we'd be doing a disservice if we didn't include Hunter Kemper with that. Yes. He's the same kid that just kind of sat and, you know, played a little bit last year as a junior, some spot stuff here and there, and, you know, took an expanded role this year. And um, another kid, they just, they're all hardworking kids, you know, that do what you expect, do what you ask of them. Um, had a couple other seniors in Jackson Carlin and Alan Darling, you know, that had season ending injuries. And um, Ethan Darling got a play, you know, a little bit last year and got hurt in Villa Grove, I think, week four or five. And then, end up having the same, you know, broke the same uh, bone in his leg there uh, a week two against Sangamon Valley. Mm-hmm. So it was unfortunate for him because he's kind of the same thing. The kid that puts in, maybe didn't have the most athletic ability to put everything he had into it. So um, those guys will be will be uh, sorely missed. DJ Neebles, another kid yep. you know, that came up senior, a kicker. Uh, Brian Himes is a senior that kind of played for us throughout the season as well. So they'll all be missed. Um, and um, they're just the kind of body of what, what we – you know, are around here as, as Cumberland Pirates. All right, Coach. Well, once again, uh, congratulations on the winning season. I know it ended a lot sooner than a lot of us would have wanted, but uh, enjoy your off season, and we'll talk to you next fall for more Cumberland Pirate football. Okay, Coach? All right. Sounds great. Thank you for everything you did this, this year, Eric. Appreciate it. All right, thanks, coaches, for joining us all season long. And, hey, it won't be long before we'll be talking to some basketball coaches as well. All right, let's get into what do I have next here on my list. We already did uh, coaches. Uh, NHL, NHL recap from, we'll just do yesterday. 
as it was the Devils beating the Blackhawks 4-2 and the Ducks beating the Knights 4-2 as well. Knights suffer their first loss of the season. <coughs> I was going to look and see if we still have a winless team or did they finally get their first win of the year. Um, can't remember now what team that was. Sharks, nope, they lost 10-2 to the Penguins. Good gravy. That Sharks team is bad. Bad. 0-10-1 on the year. Ugh. Ugh. Right? That's just a... Uh, that's not a good look at all. So, uh... uh anyways, we, uh, we move along after that. Um... As it was, uh, all right, uh, sorry, I get distracted so easily. So there's your NHL recap. All right, let's go into Pick'em. Uh, first, we'll do the NFL Pick'em. Let me find the sound for that. Here we go. NFL High School College Pick'em. Let's get it going. We'll start with Saturday action at the college level. It was Illinois and Minnesota. Minnesota minus one and a half. Travis, the Illinois homer, the guy who believes in Illinois more than anyone else, he picked Minnesota. He said it was reverse psychology. I don't know if I believe him. I picked Illinois. Illinois gets the win. We'll talk more about that coming up on the show tomorrow. It was Bears at Saints. Saints minus eight. Travis went with the Bears. I went with the Colts. And I took the L on that one. Travis picked up the win. And Indy minus two and a half against the Panthers. Travis went with the Panthers. Why? I don't know. But Indy got that win over the Panthers, who are really, really bad. Get ready to see them in prime time this week. Get ready for that. All right, high school-wise, remember, it's me and Travis against our computer friend. And uh, we will see how things turned out. First game up was Mount Zion. Well, first we'll do the eight-man game. No, we'll save eight-man for the end. First class 4A, Mount Zion at Breeze Central. Travis went Breeze Central, 34 to 21. I went Breeze Central, 35 to 20. Computer went Mount Zion. Breeze Central did get the win, but they did not score uh, that much points. So me and Travis were both over, so we only picked up one point for that game. Final score in that one was... 16 to 13. So, no bonus points there for either me or Travis. Next up, Charleston at Murfreesboro. Travis went Murfreesboro 42 to 21. I went Murfreesboro 1 nothing, and I will take the two bonus points there as it was Murfreesboro getting the win 14 to 13. Computer, by the way, said Murfreesboro 31 24, so he was over two. So, win for me on that one. Now, moving down to the 3A level, our next game was Mount Carmel and Sullivan. It was. Travis picking Mount Carmel 31 to 30. I picked Mount Carmel 32 to 20. Computer went Mount Carmel 40 to 14, and it was Mount Carmel getting the win there, 42 to 21. So Computer gets two points, but I also get two points because I was closer than Travis on the final score of that one. Next up, we had Stanford Olympia at Greenville. Travis went Greenville 28 to 20. I went Greenville one nothing. Computer went Olympia, and the computer. Gets the points there as Stanford Olympia pulled off the upset 40 to 20, and it gets two bonus points as well because it guessed it was going to be 22 to 21, so that is under. 
Next up we had in the uh, 2A level, Shelbyville. Shelbyville and Vandalia. As Travis said, Shelbyville, 42 to 20. I went Shelbyville, one nothing. The computer went Shelbyville, 35-24. And it was Shelbyville getting the win, 36 to 13. So Travis gets uh, one point because he said 42, and 42 is too high on that one. I, I did give him a bonus points. So sorry, Travis, I had to take that one away because it was only 36 to 13. Uh, the computer, though, did get a bonus point because it said 35-24. So computer spot on, missed it by a point on that one. And then we had Casey at Greenville at the 1A level, Greenfield, not Greenville. Uh, Casey fell 16 to 14. Travis said Casey 21-18. I said Greenville 28 to 21. Computer said Greenville 31-21. So we were all over. So no one gets bonus points on that one. And then finally an eight-man Martinsville at Pawnee. Martinsville picked up the win. Travis said Martinsville was going to win 41 to 14. I said Martinsville 42 to 21. Martinsville got it done. 42 points on the button for me. Thank you very much. I will take my three points. 42 to nothing was the final score. <coughs> so where does that put us overall for the season in Pickham? Well, it's a lot closer than it was last week. Travis, after the score correction, has 99 points. I'm sitting with 96 points. We're not going to talk about if you'd be perfect this season where we're at. So it's only a three-point game between myself and Travis. Uh, Record-wise, I am pulling ahead. I'm ahead uh, 75 and 32 is my record. Travis is at 68 and 39. And us against the computer. Computer had 10 games, had 10 points. Actually, hold on, let me take two away because Travis didn't pick the game. So Computer had eight. So I had seven. Travis had four. So computer beats us again, eight, seven to four. So the computer still overall has beaten us. Ugh, that computer. Give it eight more points. It had 27 last week. Give it eight more this week. And it gets it up to 35 points. I had seven points. That gets me at 32 points after 25 last week. And Travis had four. So that gets him to 25. So me and Travis falling behind the computer. I'm only behind by three. Travis behind by a little more. He may be running out of time to gain any back as far as area teams go. But that is a recap of our pick'em for the week. We will do pick'em again coming up on Friday. All right, that's one pick them down. Now we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna wait a minute. We're gonna move on to to another uh, pick them here in a second. But I need to talk about this this truck race Friday night. I mean, it was you have four drivers on in this truck race. It was Corey Heim, Carson Hosevar, Grant Envinger, and Ben Rhodes who were the four competing for the truck championship. And Corey Heim and Carson Hosevar wrecked each other out. Grant Enfinger and Ben Rhodes both had damage in separate vehicles, in separate incidents, I should say. And then we went into four overtimes. Zane Smith went into the first of the four overtimes as a leader, but was 
wrecked out in one of the restart wrecks. On the final restart, Christian Eckes got around leader Chase Purdy and managed to hold off Jake Garcia to earn his fourth win of the season. Um, but it was Ben and Rhodes who ended up getting the win in a, a close battle. Uh, you know, coming out of turn four, they were right there side by side. So Ben Rhodes gets the title. But this race was just abysmal. I mean, the fact that guys just taking each other out. And, and, and like I said, it started with Carson Hosovar. Uh, with 30 to go, Hosovar hit Corey Heim, who was leading in front of him. He was in front of him. And he just hit him. I mean, he just hit him. And he can say, oh, he tried to, to get underneath of him. But his car slid up and it hit him. So then, you know, so that basically ended Corey Heim's chance at, you know, having any chance of winning the championship. Then Smith grabbed the lead. That Zane Smith grabbed the lead. But there was another wreck, put the race red flag. So then Smith led Eckes and Rhodes with 15 laps to go. Then with three laps left, Corey Heim, who is still, I guess, upset, slid up in front of Hosevar and ran him into the wall, which did damage to both trucks and got Taylor Gray involved. So that sent them out. Then it went to a two-lap overtime. Smith was out in front, followed by Eckes and Enfinger and Rhodes. And then Derek Krause wrecked in the overtime. So Enfinger received some damage in that incident, which left Smith leading Rhodes heading into the second two-lap overtime. And then Smith missed a shift on the restart and got into Rhodes, which triggered another multi-accident wreck. Went to a third overtime. Eckes in the lead. Rhodes damaged and in sixth place. Then another wreck happened on the restart, which allowed Purdy to move into the lead for the first time and went to a fourth restart before it all wrapped up. What an abysmal race. I mean, this is why you cannot have these one races to sign a championship, especially in the truck series. They don't have the class and the decency to race each other cleanly. I'm sorry. They just don't. They're not mature enough to do that. And we, you know, we talked about the big incident with, um, uh, I'm drawing a blank here now. Oh, Nick Sanchez and um, Matt Crafton at Talladega a couple of weeks ago where, you know, Crafton talked about lack of respect and everything like this. And it's just been a thing all season long where the truck series that you have these young guys that just um, they don't have they don't have respect yet. I mean, they just they just don't. And so, you know, a lot of the, the NASCAR guys were were tweeting after this race you know tyler tyler reddick um tweeted out i'm not going to read what he said um jordan bianchi who's a reporter uh was quoted by Corey heim Corey heim said this over the radio said host of our ain't getting out of here tonight i promise you that so and then they they ended up wrecking each other out but I mean, fans, Chris Busher said, what a pitiful lack of sportsmanship. Denny Hamlin, this is what happens when there's no rules, no officiating. You get product like this. Quote, unquote, the show has taken over U.S. motorsports and why it's hard to take seriously. Um, Ryan Priest responded to that. The flag man who was doing the race, it, there's a shot of him during one of the overtimes with like his head down. Like, he's upset. He doesn't want to be here. Um now, Carson Hosevar 
said that he did not intend to crash Corey Heim. Of course, that's what he's going to say. Um, and he says the payback was fair. He meant to be, you know, he should have been paid back. Um, uh, Chase uh, Briscoe said the only thing in the race was missing was the 99 blowing a right front tire in the last corner and pulling a hail melon to get the win. Um, yeah. Uh, one one Twitter account said, we need this race to end so Jerry Springer can deliver his final thoughts. I I agree. I, I agree. It was just, it was a mess. And so that was the first race of the weekend. Everyone was kind of like, oh boy, that's, that's race one. What is the second race going to look like as far as um, as far as this goes and the Xfinity race so much cleaner um, and it kind of had a surprising um, result and that was Cole, Cole Custer getting the win held off Jason Allgaier uh, Justin Allgaier on the last last start there so Cole Custer uh, gets his first Xfinity Series championship in his return to the Xfinity Series. And uh, it took overtime to do it, but he was able to to get the win. And then that brings us to Sunday. And Sunday, you know, it had never been in since NASCAR went to this format to where one of the championship four drivers did not win the final race. That is, that's just the way it's been. You You win the last race. To, to win the championship. That's all we've seen. We haven't seen anything else other than that until Sunday. As Sunday, it was Ross Chastain getting the win, but the championship went to Mr. Ryan Blaney. Ryan Blaney gets the win. Ryan Blaney is your champion uh, for the first time uh, in his career. Ryan Blaney wins the championship, and he talked uh, about uh, the race uh, on SportsCenter uh, after the race, and here's, here's that audio from SportsCenter. I'm not a very emotional guy, and um, I was teared up a little bit, you know, the last lap, and, um, you know, especially after I took the, the checkered flag, you know, just, I don't know, I mean, you just worked so hard your whole life, you know, I grew up around it, right, I watched my dad race, you know, sprint cars in the 90s, and then moved to NASCAR in the early 2000s, I grew up watching him, and as a kid, I just wanted to do what dad did, you know, and, and uh, he was my idol, and um, a lot of guys that I've been able to race with, fortunately, were my idols that I watched as, kid, as a kid growing up and he just worked so hard you know I've been I've been racing for over 20 years and um, you know it's it's all kind of comes full circle because I think every kid wants to obviously want to win a championship that's in any sport and for us to put such hard work in for it to pay off you know down the road it's so neat and it's not just me it's every single person on this 12 group every single person at Team Penske uh, that puts it together it just you know how much they put into it so I got a little emotional thinking about all them because they deserve it. So Ryan Blaney gets the win. Ryan Blaney is your 2023 NASCAR Cup Series champion. And I'm already seeing people saying, well, he didn't deserve it. He didn't deserve it. He didn't have a great year. You know, William Byron led more laps. William Byron had double the wins that Ryan Blaney had. William Byron had double the top tens that Ryan Blaney had. Yeah, you're right. But it's the playoffs. You gotta win when the game's on the line. Isn't that what we want in our sports? Like I see people saying, "Oh, Kyle Larson, who finished second in the championship. Kyle Larson, he had four wins. Ryan Blaney only had three. He had 15 top fives compared to just eight for Ryan Blaney. So Ryan Blaney shouldn't be champ. Shouldn't be champ. Nope, nope. It's invalid that he's a champ. He's only champ because of this point system. 
If we were if we were doing the normal point system, he would not be the champion. So, you know, we 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 just need to get rid of this point system, and you know that that's just the way it is. No, entering the season, all right, we are going on twenty years of there being a playoff in NASCAR. Twenty years of a playoff of some sort. If you have not adjusted to that, then you're a fool. All these teams know it. All these teams know when they unload in February that the way you win is you have to perform in the final 10 races of the year. Every single one. It's not like something that was just sprung on them in the middle of the season. No. They all know this entering the season. They all accept that. All the drivers know it. All the teams know it. All the owners own it. If you want to win, you have to compete and you have to perform in the final 10 races. And there is nobody, nobody who performed in the final 10 races as good as Ryan Blaney. Did his playoff start off great? Nope. He was 9th at Darlington. He was 12th at Kansas. And he was 22nd at Bristol. Barely got in. Round 2 didn't start off great for him either. He finished 28th. Then he won at Talladega. Then he had a 12th at Charlotte. Then he had a sixth at Vegas, another second at Miami. He won at Martinsville last weekend, led 145 laps in doing that. And then second yesterday. It's not about how you get there. It's about how you finish. And Ryan Blaney finished every single time. I mean, that's consistency down the stretch, right? I see people, oh, he didn't win since Charlotte. He doesn't win enough. That's always been the knock on Ryan Blaney. He doesn't win enough. He needs to win more. He doesn't win enough. He wins when he needs to. He won at Charlotte back in May, the Coke 600, one of the prestige marquee events of the season. And then he won in the playoffs when he needed to. Won at Talladega to punch his ticket to the round of eight. Won at Martinsville to punch his ticket to the round of four. And then came up second yesterday. And was very emotional in the middle of that race because he wasn't able to get around. Him and Ross Chastain battled for a long time, and he was getting really upset at Ross. But Ross, to his credit, you know how Ross Chastain's going to race you. And he raced as you would expect Ross Chastain to race. I mean, that's all that needs to be said about that. But Ryan Blaney did what he needed to do. And the fact that people are like, nope, mm -mm, nope, mm -mm, not champ, not champion, mm -mm," is unbearable. Are we saying that the Rangers aren't champions, right? <coughs> yeah, they got hot at the right time. That happens in every sport. Every sport, there is a team that will sometimes just get hot at the right time. And they just pull off a win. Are they the best team? No. But they're the best team when it matters. And to me, that's what we had. And that's what we got here in the NASCAR season this year. So we had the, the driver getting the best at the right time. Think about a couple years ago, 2022 Super Bowl. The Rams and the, the Bengals in that one. Rams were a four seed. Bengals were a four seed. Were those the two best teams in all of football? Nope. Did anyone say, oh, that Rams Super Bowl is not legitimate? Nope. Didn't hear a single, single word about it. When the Buccaneers won. In 2021, were they the best team? No, they were a five seed. 
Don't think they were the best team all season long. But they were the best when it mattered. That's what good teams do. Good teams step up in the playoffs. That's what Ryan Blaney did. I don't know why people are going, nope, mm-mm, nope, this isn't, nope, mm-mm, mm-mm, nope. Why is, why is it so out of the question to say that he won the championship because he he stepped up and won when he needed to? End of discussion for me. I mean, Ryan Blaney's the champ. That now gives Penske back-to-back titles. They won last year, if you remember, um, with Joey Logano. Now Penske's won back-to-back titles. Good job for them. I mean, they've shown that they have what it takes to get it done by race. Now, if you want to make an argument that the NASCAR championship should not be decided at one race playoff, all right, I'll agree with you on that. It should be three rounds. Then that way it's not an all-or-nothing race because eventually we're going to start getting what we saw in the truck series of guys taking each other out for the race or teammates taking out other cars or manipulation of some sort, and we don't want that. But don't make one race matter more than any other race. Have it be three. Have it be a mile and a half. Have it be a short track. And have it be, you know, insert either super speedway or um, a road course. Have it be a mixture. Have it be three three races at three different kinds of tracks. Shorten the regular season up. So we can put in an extra round there. Fine with that. I don't have a problem with that. Now I've seen people saying, you know, oh, Phoenix is kind of a different animal, and it is. But could you imagine a final round? Let's get let's let's move Phoenix out of there. Again, this is hypothetical. Let's move Phoenix out of there. But let's say a final round of Vegas, Miami, and Martinsville. Yeah. You know, I talked with Travis about how, you know, that, that round of eight was kind of like the party round. Well, let's end the season there. Vegas, Miami, Martinsville. Or if you want to throw, you know, Miami, Martinsville, Charlotte. Miami, Martinsville, Dega. Let's do something with it. I mean, I'm all for that. I think that'd be a great idea. So we'll see if it's not going to happen next year. We already know that. But maybe in 2025, the NASCAR season uh, will be a little better. Congratulations to Ryan Blaney. Now to pick him. Christopher Bell blew a breaker rotor. That's who Travis had. Finished 36th. It was running in 6th at the time. But that break cooked his brakes. Ryan Blaney finished 2nd, like we said. So I got the win. But I needed Ryan Blaney to win the race. And it wasn't quite enough. Now, again... As I have said, I am still contesting this because back in Michigan, I picked Chris Buescher to win, and he won the race. That would put me ahead by one at this point, but I will concede to Travis, even though I had a better average finish than Travis, but Travis got two wins, and I didn't get any win all year that was legitimate um, because that Buescher show, I was the only one here. It was a one-man show, so Travis didn't give me a pick, so that's why um, on the air. So that's why it doesn't count. But I, I will contest that until until I'm blue in the face that, you know, I should have won this already. I ended up finishing behind by four, 24 to 20. Travis got the win. But you add in that five points for a win, and I would win by one. 
but that's okay. We'll, we won't count it because uh, that's what Travis said. So that gives me more motivation to beat him in football because, you know, I feel like this was, uh, this was taken from me. Um, I, I, and I feel like this was, uh, this was mine to win. I dominated all season. And, uh, you know, I, I feel after that Busher race, you know, my, my momentum and my confidence were just shot because I, I was like, oh, what's the point? Get a win. It doesn't matter anyways. So we'll go back to the drawing board. We'll come around in February, try and try and win it again. But, uh, yeah, I'm coming for the NFL. I'm coming for the football. Pick them title. Travis, be on the lookout. I'm coming for you. Because uh, I was robbed. I was robbed. So I don't have a problem saying that. Alrighty, let's uh, let's move away from there and let's finish off today's show with on this day in sports history. On this day, back in 1869, the first ever college football game takes place in New Brunswick, New Jersey, as Rutgers defeated Princeton six to four. Now they're playing basketball tonight to honor that. How about that? A little correlation there. On this date in 1929, the Providence Steamroller played the Chicago Cardinals in the first ever NFL night game. Chicago won it 16 to nothing. Um, on this day in 1992, 15-time All-Star Shaquille O'Neal made his NBA debut for the Magic in a 110-100 win over the Miami Heat. How ironic, he debuted against the team he would face, uh, be a part of later on. November 6, 1995, Art Mordell announced that he is moving the Cleveland Browns to Baltimore for the 96th season. Oh, people were so livid. But it's okay. Now you have the Browns back. Still not good. So, what does it matter? And then November 6, 2000, the Packers beat the Vikings 26-20 in overtime on Antonio Freeman's miraculous catch where he went to the ground, bobbled the ball, and then got up to score the touchdown. That's the one where it like, landed on his back and the defender gave up on it and he just picked it up and started running. And I'll never forget Al Michaels' call. Like I say, he caught it. He caught it. And good stuff. Good stuff. So that was on this day back in 2000. Go back and watch that today. Uh, it'll make your day. It'll make you smile. It'll make you smile even though it's the Packers. So, alrighty, we're gonna get out of here. That does it for today's edition of the Stern Lineup. Travis will be back in all his glory tomorrow. I'm sure he'll have lots to tell you. Lots of opinions will be coming forward from Travis. Let's be ready for those tomorrow. But until then, have a great and a safe rest of your Monday. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace out. Later, home slice.